Tafana. Um, a few little techniques this morning. So, what's the best way to shut up in Italian? Put something in your hands. I've got something in my hands this morning. Um, for those of you who are visiting this morning, we've started a new club. And, um, what did I do? How about this one? Yeah. Woo! Okay. We'll make this work, right? Um, I'd rather, I'd, normally I'd just put it down and start talking with you all. I've got a loud enough voice, but for those who are watching online, they won't hear a thing. So, the sacrifice I make for you all. I'm kidding. Anyway, um, so uh, we came out of a 12-part series on Warren of Fitness, and we've come into a new series called Take Me In. And part of that's born out of what we did uh, through Warren of Fitness. It was a question of, okay, we've kind of examined ourselves, our relationship with God, our spiritual walk. How can then we develop some, some disciplines to kind of bed in some of the things we may have noted aren't working well in our relationship with God? And uh, a question I had this week was a simple one uh, and a good one. Uh, why are we talking about the temple? Um, isn't that like Old Testament, Rob? And by the way, the temple's gone. Jesus is here now, so what's the point? And it's a valid question. I think um, some aspects of Christianity really want to see Israel build a temple again. But they haven't really thought that one through. Because building a temple will negate pretty much everything Jesus has done. So as Christians, I don't think we should be standing to say, we want a temple rebuilt. Because as we know, Jesus has replaced it. But the challenge I have for you is, what has he replaced? Do you know what he has come and fulfilled? Do you know that aspect of him that has now taken over the temple? We all think the cross, the sacrifice, but it's far deeper than just that. Um, last week, I shared with you um, what, what a pepiha is and talking about our identity and heritage. And I shared with you a little bit of my mother's side that gets neg neglected quite a bit 
because my name being Roberto Pedrini, everyone thinks it's Italian. But my mum's not Italian. Not at all. As you saw last week, the only thing that's troubling for me is that um, that Arabic Greek side of her uses their hands just as much as Italian. So I'm still caught up with my hands tied. Um, but we talked a little bit about how that influences us, how that impacts us. And, you know, when we come to understanding who Jesus is, and in particular the Father that he represents, here we go, woo! <laughs> what is he about? I shared last week that, that question that we all asked, God loves me just the way I am, right? Sure, but be careful not to shape God in your own image. Because if he just loved you the way you are, what's the point of Jesus? Right? So, we are going to step into a place that God specifically designed out of his own character for us to engage with, which we now find fulfilled in Jesus, and it's called the temple. And we're going to unpack each part of it. And like I've done over the WAF series, I'm going to give you some homework some practical elements about how we can grow spiritually, maybe develop some disciplines. Um, but the first thing I want to ask you is this. What does your space look like? If you are in your space and you get to design your space, what does it look like? I have the, um, the privilege as a pastor to go into many of your spaces. And the thing that I found very different coming to New Zealand was the fact that um, you know, I've lived in four different countries on three different continents. I come here, and now people require me to take my shoes off when I come into their house. And that was new to me, believe it or not, completely new. I'm like, oh, do I have to take my shoes off? And so, you know, you go to someone's place, and Monica and I have this thing now. Is it shoes on or shoes off? Because it depends on the shoes we wear now, right? And you go into a place, and it's all good. You know, you respect what people one, you go in, but the thing is, there's no little bench or anything at the door where you can put your shoes back on. And for a big guy like me whose feet are very far away, you know, you're kind of leaning up against the door trying to get a shoe on, very awkward, and then laces, forget about that. So actually, for the last 10 years, I've never bought shoes with laces. Uh, sketches have been awesome, by the way. Um, anything you can slip in and slip out of. But these are things that people have in their space. You come into my space, you'll see planes and a big CD collection and a couple of guitars on the wall. It tells you a little bit about me. What does your space look like? God had his space and he designed it specifically, very specifically. And you read this in Exodus chapter 25. See to it that you make them according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. This is God talking to Moses. And it's reiterated in Hebrews where Paul says, they serve at a sanctuary that is a copy, a shadow of what is in heaven. The temple is something that though may not be on planet earth at the moment, it is a copy of what's in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. So God is designing his space. What does that look like? What does that tell you of God? And what glimpses do we get of Jesus from it? This is what the tabernacle looked like. It was a, they called it the tent of meeting. It was right in the middle of 
um, the people's space. All the tents were around it. He was placed right in the middle. You could always see it from any space you were. You always had that right in the middle. It stood out. If you go into, um, into the UK and you go into the small towns in the UK, you know what stands out the most? The churches. The big sp- spirals. Uh, um, I'm not going to ask what's been said back there, but <laughs> these big spirals out in the middle of town, you see them in the valleys, you see them from far away, sometimes before you even see the houses. They're at the centre of town. In the same sense, the tabernacle was placed right in the middle of the people. And you can see when we come to um, the time of Solomon and he builds his temple, this is a cut across of what that model looked like. And you can see it's very similar but a little bit more extravagant in a sense. You've got, you know, the, the basin at the front with, with the, uh, the altar and then you've got the holy place and then the most holy place. But he designed it specifically to look like that. And the moment you come into his house, his place, you're confronted with the brazen altar. It's the first thing you'll see. It's the first thing you encounter. It's this altar. It looks like that from the tabernacle. And it looked like that when they built the temple. Of course, when they built the temple, they had a bit more time to make it look really cool. But that's the first thing you're confronted with. When you came into the temple and you were confronted by this, you were bringing with you an animal of some sort. And you sacrificed it at the altar on behalf of yourself. It was an act of repentance. It was an act to say uh, to God that I'm sorry, I'm a sinner, and this animal is taking the sacrifice, the blame. And the way it happened was you actually had to hold on to the animal as the priest killed it. So that you felt with your hands the life draining out of the animal. Pretty intense, huh? Imagine doing that every time you came to church. I think we'd have a problem with attendance at that point. Not very attractive, is it? It's called the altar of repentance. That was the first thing. It's kind of like our thing here in New Zealand of taking our shoes off when we walk in. You are coming into my space. The first thing you're going to do is repent. Number one. In Isaiah chapter 6, you see this happening with um, Isaiah in a, in a, in a, in a prophecy dream that he has it was in the king in the year of king Uzziah died that I saw the Lord he was sitting in a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple and attending him were mighty seraphim each having six wings and with two wings they'll cover their faces the other two they covered their feet and the other two they flew and they're calling out to each other holy 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 is the Lord of the heavens armies the whole earth is filled with his glory the voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of the heaven's army. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal. He had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it and said, see, 
The call has touched your lips. Your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Those tongs pulled out of that altar of, remember, of, um, of repentance, the burnt offering and the coal is that fire that touches his lips and cleanses him. The moment he enters God's presence, the first thing that overwhelms Isaiah is his sinfulness. Moses was the same. Faced with God, he fell to his knees. He was like, no, I, get away from me. Peter, confronted by Jesus, does the same thing. Get away from me. I'm, I'm a sinful man. There's this immediate reaction to God where the self-awareness comes into play that I, I'm just not good enough. And here the seraphim make him right before God. It's fascinating. When you go right back to the first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis, you're confronted by this amazing story of creation where you know, God has created everything. And we said last week, everything was good. Does everyone remember the word for Hebrew for good? Tov. Yes. Tov. And what was, anyone remember bad? Ra, that's it. So good is good. And, you know, God doesn't need to say awesome. He doesn't need to say fantastic, amazing. He just says good. Tov is enough. And Ra, well, that's just not good. And Ra can never be Tov. So here's the story. Creation happens. Everything's perfect. Everything's right. You know, I'd even make the argument that humans didn't eat animals. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah, they kind of coexisted quite happily, it looked like. In fact, God got all the animals before Adam and said, hey, choose one of them as your partner. They didn't go too well. But there was this symbiotic relationship that everything was working fine until one day it wasn't when Tov became Ra. And the humans made a choice. And God says this, he says this, the Lord made them garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. To make garments of skin, what do you need to do? An animal gave its life so that they could be covered. From this day forth, something had to change. Something had to replace the guilt. Something had to happen. It culminated in Jesus. It culminated in that moment where Jesus died on the cross. So that now our entry... Someone else doesn't pay for our sins. Jesus already has done that. 